Troisième moment d'une semaine toute numérique, donc, pour les nouvelles vagues, qui ne choisit pas de thèmes spécifiques, comme habituellement, mais démontre que le numérique, les nouvelles technologies, les réseaux sont partout, qu'ils façonnent, structurent, modifient en profondeur nos manières de vivre, de penser et de faire société. Depuis ce matin, France Culture s'interroge sur la circulation mondiale des idées, et ceci à la faveur de la nuit des idées, grande manifestation organisée ce soir au Quai d'Orsay. Sur le plan de la circulation des savoirs, des expressions, le web a ouvert des horizons insoupçonnés encore il y a 35 ans. Et 35 ans, c'est à peu près votre âge, Audrey Tang. Vous êtes arrivée de Taïwan, en France, spécialement pour cette manifestation. Et vous vous présentez souvent comme une hackeuse civique, anarchiste, conservatrice et retraitée d'une activité de start-up menée depuis votre plus jeune âge. Bonjour, bonjour et merci d'être avec nous. Vos propos sont traduits par la petite voix que l'on entend, traduit de l'anglais. Paloma Bimbo, bonjour. Paloma. Bonjour. Alors, on parle de circulation so, des idées dans le monde aujourd'hui. On peut dire que d'une certaine manière, cela prend le relais de la circulation so, historique des êtres dans le monde. Il se trouve que vous êtes né en Allemagne, que vous avez ensuite déménagé beaucoup suivant les activités professionnelles de votre père, jusqu'à vous retrouver à Taïwan en 1993, à 12 ans. Est-ce que vous pensez que votre première circulation dans le monde a influencé votre façon de travailler ou de penser Um, well, I think um, when I was uh, very young, when I was 11, I lived in Stockland, um, and it's very close to French uh, borders, and actually in our schools, we taught uh, German, and then French, and then English, uh, in that order. So uh, when I traveled with my parents um, to the Luxembourg and to Paris, to these closer regions, we see a lot of uh, different cultures intermingling each other. And because my father's um, research subject was on the Tiananmen student protest, we also uh, run into a lot of people who were exiled because they demonstrated in Beijing, but they were exiled from Beijing, they cannot return anymore, but they were just university college students. They studied law, the physics, or the soft sciences, sociology, so they were themselves very much still learning. And I saw that people in the Lux, Saran, Lauren uh, region received them very um, friendly and taught them what they need to know from the European values. And so we debated all the time how to democratize a oppressive regime because obviously the massive protest did not work. So what would work? And that has influenced me ever since. In 1987, to download what I said. In 87, it took a lot of time. And when we received that, we were just amazed. Oh my God, we received a picture from Japan through the computer, and we sent it, and we sent it to 
States to the other school. And when I saw that, I said, oh, that's incredible. I said, wow, I want to live as far as I can to see that, to see that as something normal, something that you see daily. And in 87, I thought that it will take 20, 30 years before. 20, When I was in uh, Germany, I already uh, practiced computer programming, but at that time, the way for computers to talk to each other was limited to the academia, to, to universities, the early pioneers of the Internet. It was uh, called the ARPANET at that time. But when I come back to Taiwan in 93, there was a revolution of personal computers with modems, so people could use this box that translates the data into sound in telephone lines, so one computer can call to the telephone of another computer, and they can talk to each other, but just two computers at a time. And then people run programs called bulletin board systems on the computers so that one computer calling can leave a message for another computer who later called the same computer. It's like an answering machine, but then it grew into like a whiteboard where people can post notes and communicate to each other. There were a lot of bulletin board system uh, communities, grassroots in Taiwan, but we could not afford because we were not a rich family to dial internationally to join other countries' uh, telephone communities. So in 94, when the World Web arrived and the Taiwan Telecom democratized internet access, everybody just paid a flat rate and you can contact to any website anywhere in the world for the same fee without paying the international uh, dialing fee. So it's three different stages. It's first in the universities, just a few people, researchers can do that, that I experienced, but then back at my own home to talk with my neighbor's computers, and then the third stage with the entire world. But it was very quick. It was just one year, one year, and then one year. Yes, um, actually, the uh, Beijing protest in uh, 1989 was the first use of a color camera and paired with uh, satellite connections and fax machines so people can get colored footage out because people thought that the photos has to be in films. They did not understand that photos can go in the telephone lines also because the engineers did not publish that fact until after the protest. 
it was a secret that only a few people in the news media who knew about it at that time. And so because both of my parents worked in journalism, in, in media, they knew about this revolution that's coming, that is going to redefine uh, journalism forever. So I think they understand the impact that this will do, but they did not fully appreciate that everybody will be a writer, will be a journalist, will be a blogger. But it's not just them. Most people, most people working in the media at that time did not anticipate that everybody will become a journalist in just 10 years' time. You say that you had understand that at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Oui. Code informatique, c'est la loi aujourd'hui dans notre société. Code, code is the law. Et son architecture politique, c'est public opinion, the uh, economical activities, etc. And that was Eric Schmidt was saying, you know, uh, the, in the newspaper, in, uh, in, in you know, the states couldn't make it, we are the one able to do it. And, and, it. and when you read it, it's very scary. It's a voice of Bernard Benamou, who is an enseignant-chercheur here at the University of Droit in France, which is published in the New Vague in Madrid in 2014. Audrey Tong, when Bernard Benamou cette fameuse formule code ça rappelle aussi pour vous j'imagine des souvenirs de l'adolescence et de tout début comment est-ce que vous apprenez à coder the law professor and the creator of the Creative Commons movement where authors relinquish part of our copyright so that we can work with the world on creations together. When he coined the idea that code is law, he doesn't actually mean uh, law as in courtroom or judge or the jurisdiction. It's like physical law. It's like Newton's law. It's like Einstein's law. It means that it defines what is possible and what is impossible. It's not what is right, what is wrong, what is moral, what is immoral. It defines the possibilities of the interactions that we can do online. So when I first learned programming, when I was eight years old, I looked at a programming language book, but I did not have a computer. So I used pen and paper to draw a computer, to write my program, to simulate how a computer will go from the program that I compose. Because computers are predictable. If you can understand how it works, you don't need the actual hardware. It's like logic in that way. So when I practice coding as a child, I was really practicing like an instrument that uh, has logic as its notes and the possibility of interaction as its melody. Its melody is defining the kind of space where we can see how much of other people, other computers, other ideas with some capacity 
and what kind of actions we can do with it. Maybe we can like it, maybe we can subscribe to it, maybe we can follow it, maybe we can curate it, maybe we can annotate it. And all these are like physical spaces. They are built by architects obeying the law that is the code, like the gravity that defines architects' work when they build buildings. When I was uh, 12, I decided that I don't want to be uh, schooled anymore in the school system. I left the school system when I was 13. And when I was 14, I discovered the web. But before, when I was 14, there were two years where I had access to the internet and when I'm uh, not uh, satisfied with the education system. So I discovered this Gutenberg project on the internet. The Gutenberg project has been running for more than 20 years at the time. It is a lot of voluntary people from the civic society taking the public domain books that has expired the copyright, which means they were all done before the First World War. They're the classics from Freud, from Darwin, from all the thinkers around the turn of the century, and then also literature, also poetry, Shakespeare, and they type all those printed books that's out of copyright and put them uh, free online for anybody, including a teenager, to read. So that is the basic of my education. Without those selfless people sharing this kind of knowledge, it wouldn't be possible for me to go out of the school system and begin an education of my own. So, um, on the internet, by default, that means without doing anything, any computer can talk to any computer. And when somebody has a better idea, they don't have to ask anybody's permission. They can just make it happen on their computer. And when the nearby computer sees it and wants to adopt the same protocol, again, they don't have to ask for anybody's permission. So this is what we call anarchy. This is the fundamental virtue of the Internet. This is what the Internet people call the Internet invariance, meaning that this property does not change. So it's not that I did something extra to share my work. It's that I did not do anything to prevent other people from using my work. It's just me promising I will not waste my time suing you in the court. This is all I said. Along the street, I uh, work some houses and stores that they used to live here and do business or just their family life. You can see the barriers over there, the green barrier. Uh, inside, uh, this land is going to be sell to uh, 
uh, big companies or hotels, they may do a financial center or a tourist industry here. But uh, these things are actually have nothing to do uh, with, with the people who used to live here. So they are gone and they got nothing. And they got sued. Yeah, in addition, <laughs> here used to be space with memories and, and interpersonal relationships. And some people who used to live here were very old. This could be their final places. And this could be their only places in, in their life. I think it's too cruel and it's, it's unreasonable. <laughs> Most of the time we simply accept the information and the picture made by the, the, the mainstream media. And the mainstream media is always stand with the, let's say, the government and the people with power. So it still has a long time and a long way to go to, to tell everything to everyone. Yeah. And, and that is the whole thing we are trying to do. <laughs> yeah. You may say that we are doing something that is unrelated to us, but actually not. Because the future is ours. <laughs> we have, because if the future is not changed, then that will be our future. Yeah. So, so that's the problem. Ce music is choose. Non. C'est pas la musique qu'elle a choisi. Non. Après. Elle nous explique ça comme si on était vraiment, vraiment. Mais, mais même comme ça, je trouve. Ah bon, c'est prêt. Moi, ouais, non, ça va, ça va, ça va quand même. Ça va. You're very nice, huh? You you you're explaining very clearly. That it was terrifying. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I, I, was, I was so scared of everything. I'm a professional mediator. It's yeah, my yeah, job yeah. to to yeah. talk, yeah, like this. <laughs> I did it perfectly. It's very nostalgic Taiwanese pop music. Yeah, yeah. you like it. <laughs> It's it's yeah. <laughs> yeah it's nostalgic. Yeah, I didn't imagine it didn't take that long to get uh, you know to to get internet in all the the houses and stuff like that in Taiwan. I thought it would have taken much more time. You know? One year, one year, one year. It just seems like you know. Yeah, it's very very fast. I think that's because Taiwan was the main manufacturing of personal oh. computers at that time. Yeah. All the personal computers were because made in I, Taiwan. Because I don't have the feeling it was like that in, in France because I, in Right. Um, Fan Xiaoxuan's music is pretty nice um, to hear about. Um, it describes 
this、um, idea that when people are、uh, in love, they could just idle there and just do nothing, but they still feel like they are they are in love. They're content with their life, and so on. So、um, this is actually a very popular sentiment in Taiwan, where in the recent years we are promoting the cultural、um, understanding. The, the kind of you know satisfaction with artisan crafts and connection with local farm markets and so on, and so with services provided by your neighbors, with your neighbors, for your neighbors, and this is a kind of economy that we're going forward to. However. In 2014, in March, the administration is talking with China, and China tried to have Taiwan sign a trade service agreement that will allow a lot of cross-strait service providers. And China gave very good conditions, meaning that Taiwan people are lured by the、uh, idea of earning a lot of money. Because they were,、uh, China was able to, you know, let a lot of different provinces a larger user base. For the Taiwan service providers, in exchange for them to provide the same kind of service in Taiwan. So this is a obviously a diplomatic policy debate that is supposed to have when we are signing a trade agreement with another place. For example, when Taiwan signed such agreements with、uh, New Zealand or Australia or Japan, the Parliament is supposed. To parler, to talk, to debate about the good and the bad part of such agreements before we sign the agreement. However, the administration has an argument that says the parliament has no say in this matter because constitutionally, China is a part of Taiwan. So, China belongs to Taiwan. In the Taiwan Constitution, so any pact with Taiwan is a domestic issue. It's like a national government signing a pact with a local government in Beijing. So. Because of that, the parliament says, "Okay, maybe we have no way of talking about this, so they just don't talk about this." And this is, of course, unacceptable to most of the Taiwan people because they would like to have a discussion before signing anything like that. So, the parliament. After having a series of public hearings, where a lot of people, the doctors,、um, the lawyers, the farmers, and so on, go on and have voice their worries, the Parliament says, "But it's not our duty to respond to any of these." Worries, so they just passed the trade service agreement in 30 seconds. And on that night, I was in the legislative building to support the protest that was on the street. I was providing the internet access so that everybody in their home can see what is going on in the protest. But what I did not know was that the young person who lended me a laptop for the broadcast says that he is not going to use the laptop anymore, and that's because he's going to break. 
the、uh, doors of the parliament and climb over the walls and occupy the parliament. And there were just about a hundred people who occupied the parliament at the time, and nobody was expecting it. But because we were already broadcasting the protests on the street, people in the Gulf Zero movement supported this kind of professional filming equipment that captured the entire、um, progress of negotiating with the police, had an occupied space, and was very peaceful. And so, in the next day, when the mainstream media tried to paint the occupiers as mobsters, as violent people, as gangsters. As mainstream media always do, we have the footage, both the real-time footage and the recorded footage, to prove that that was not what was happened. And they would stay in the parliament for 22 days to demonstrate. To the parliament people, how do we deliberate trade service agreement like this? Professional facilitators, mediators, specialties in、um, deliberative democracy, demonstrated this kind of debate both in the parliament and on the streets around the parliament, with half a million people participating on the streets and seeing the image, the debate. The transcripts in real time, translated to different languages on their phone and on their computers. And so, after 22 days, the society now has a rough consensus about this trade service agreement, and the government agreed. The legislative head of the legislative body says, "Okay, we have heard the consensus." We will not pass this trade agreement until we bring this consensus into national law. And so, having reached the goal of the protest, people peacefully just left the occupied building. And around the occupied legislative parliament, there was nobody missing. There was no serious injuries, and so on. It was very peaceful. Est-ce que quand vous dites、euh, vous, quand vous dites nous, vous avez oui, constitué une sorte d'équipe technique dédiée uniquement à Internet et à cette question de débat, de footage, de parlementaire. Gov Zero, the G Zero V, and we are a movement just like the internet that anybody can join. The only requirement is that you must allow other people to reuse your work. So that's it, and anybody can start any project. So the translation, the transcripting, the logistics, the video live streaming, everything was done by volunteers using it. Space for coordination, and during the occupy, we were one of the three neutral roles. There was lawyers who protected the right to due process. There was doctors who protected the right to health, and there was the Gafiro people who protected the right of communication. These three were fundamental human rights, and so we protected the rights. For the police and for the protesters and for anybody who happens to be in the place. The word of neutrality is something very new. 
And it's not like that in the internet. It's the normal result of the architecture that's been created on the internet. It's agnostic to the way you visit. From this very original point of view, you had to create a If you want to make it simple, the question is du fait que peu de l'internet avec en particulier on entend ici la voix de Daniel Kaplan, qui est directeur de la Fédération de la Nouvelle Génération. C'était dans l'émission Science du 12 novembre 2018, et qui revient sur ce concept central de la neutralité du net, dont vous parliez, Audrey Tang, à l'instant, en évoquant cette occupation parlementaire de Zhang Guozhou à Taïwan. Vous disiez, cette petite équipe, ce gov, qui est tirée du .gov de votre groupe dans lequel vous pouviez faire entrer n'importe quelle personne voulant mettre en ligne les contenus mutuellement agrégés pendant le dites nous étions neutres. Comment est-ce que vous expliquez cette mise à disposition neutre d'outils techniques Certainly. The term internet neutrality means three very important things and they kind of intertwine into each other. First, it means that Anybody can talk to anybody. There's no discrimination based on who you are. And second, it means that when anybody has a message, it is carried verbatim, that is to say, without alternation, to its intended recipients. It means that no tempering with the message. And third, If we can make some kind of uh, use of Internet better, that is great, but this must not prevent unimagined new uses of the Internet. So if the Internet is currently primarily good for a photo, we can make it faster for photo, but if people will switch to video or virtual reality, the current work we do to make photo faster must not prevent the videos of virtual reality from happening. And those three ideas are what we mean by neutrality. Est-ce que vous utiliseriez vous de mettre des contenus pour n'importe quelle partie, c'est-à-dire que vous avez décidé de mettre en ligne
So、uh, when I said the three virtues were end to end, anybody to anybody, freedom from tempering, from changing, and freedom to invent new uses, these all talk to things that we voluntarily put on the internet. So the internet is a way for people to talk to each other. It's not for people to coerce, to force other people to talk. It's not an interrogation tool. So just as it is a bad thing to prevent somebody access to the internet, so it is also wrong to force that somebody to review something that they don't want other people to know on the internet. The internet guarantees. The message integrity, but the integrity of the person using the internet is a moral choice. That is outside the domain of neutrality of the internet as a medium. La sécurité mise en place par n'importe quel type de service, n'importe quel type de service. No, it's okay. You can still translate. Oh, sorry. Ensuite, vous avez une deuxième génération de hackers pirates qui veulent profiter de ces espaces d'insécurité pour aller s'installer et utiliser ces espaces pour mettre des fichiers illégaux Vous avez également, là, c'est beaucoup plus structuré, la possibilité d'avoir des pirates qui associent les uns les autres, indépendamment des problèmes de valorisation personnelle, vont agir de manière beaucoup plus On entend là la voix de Catherine Chambon qui, dans l'émission Le Bien Commun, a tenté une définition des hackers et de cette pratique de hacking. Souvent, vous êtes présenté et vous vous présentez vous-même en tant que hackers civiques. Qu'est-ce que ça It means people who hack on the wood and to make tools using wood, and they also make their own woodworking tools because most of the woodworking tools and the furniture at the time were made of wood themselves. So it took on the meaning of people who. Make their own tools. They work with the environment in relation with their tools, and they share their kind of relationship with tools, making it available, just like furnitures or buildings, spaces for other people to use. So, as you could see from this metaphor, the hacker. Could be、uh, an independent idea from the internet. You can be a hacker of any discipline. So the way that I think about things is that when I see there is a new situation and old tools, both the engineering tools and the tool of thought ideas, 
les outils qui sont are outdated. They no longer describe the world we live in. Then it is time to invent new tools, new ideas. So it fits better with the world that we're living in. So this is for me the spirit of hacker. Now, people can use the spirit to break rules, but without making new rules. Or they make new rules, but the new rules work worse than the rules that happened before. And this is true for any innovator. And the society as a large um, organ should be uh, allowing people just trying different ways of doing things without harming, without hurting each other, and just made the best idea win. And so this is my view of how a society can be tolerant or even encouraging hackers. But there is no such thing as a hacker government. There is no such thing as a, you know, anarchist dictatorship. It's just oxymoron. It's impossible. Notre façon de vous présenter habituellement est de way dire que vous êtes jeune et que vous n'êtes pas retraité. Vous n'êtes pas très jeune. Pourquoi vous appelez-vous retraité uh, I did work professionally for 20 years. Alors, j'ai quand même eu une carrière professionnelle de 20 ans. And uh, when I say I retired, I mean that my time is spent primarily in the third sector. That means I work with people who volunteer, who work with me, who can join or leave at any time. But still, we make important contributions as the civil society with relationship to the public sector, which are the governments, and the private sector, which are the large or small companies. And it is fine. I mean, the three sectors must coexist in peace for the society to move forward. When I say I'm retired, I just mean that I moved from the first two sectors to dedicate my time to the third sector. Est-ce que ça signifie que vous maintenez le travail dans votre vie adolescente uh, but I'm not particularly uh, rich. It's just that I decided that my skills or my time is valued enough so that people are willing to let me live somewhat comfortably, perhaps, uh, in exchange of my time. So I still do consulting work. It's not that I stop working altogether. It's just I only work on the things that are also of benefit to the civil society, that I can share my fruit of my labor to the public. So it's not like I stopped programming altogether. It's just that I can be very, very uh, picky about my clients, and I insist that they must share the fruits of labor with all my other clients, and that I'm uh, happy to do pro bono work for people in the civil society who need the work but without the money to pay for it. That is to say, if you have money, then you pay with money. If you don't, you can pay with your time, your attention, or any kind of organization skills you have, or just your goodwill. That works too.
Est-ce que ça veut dire que quand vous dites que vous choisissez vos clients, vous n'offrez pas vos conseils, votre savoir-faire et votre expertise à des gros groupes qui, selon vous, sont prêts à recevoir ou des comptes, une situation, une vision d'Internet que vous portez, qui est très démocratique, très ouverte, très innovante par exemple, est-ce que vous conseillez Google Est-ce que vous conseillez Amazon Est-ce que vous conseillez Amazon Par exemple, la chose avec source with giving my copyright away is that I cannot control who use it. For example, I invented a way of making a spreadsheet faster over the web. But when I was working on it, first, I'm working on somebody else's prior work. And second, I cannot control who will be the next person using my work. So I was surprised when one week later, Uber took this code and make their uh, dispatch faster and because they don't have to ask for my permission. This is what is meant by collaboration. So when I say that I'm picky, it doesn't mean that I don't share knowledge with these people. It means only that when I work on the problem, I don't have their primary interest in mind. I consider the factors or I make creations principally with the civic society in mind. But if people in the public or the private sector also find the ideas useful, as they often do, they're welcome to take it. They are, after all, a part of society. Pardon. Ah.